What are the career opportunities for forensics professionals in 2010? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're catching up with one of our old friends today, Rob Lee. He's a director with Mandiant. He's a faculty fellow with the Sands Institute. Rob, good to talk to you again. Hey, thanks for having me on here again. Rob, why don't you just give people an update on what you're doing these days. As you've, you've told me, you sort of have two hats that you wear. Yes, um, I'm working at uh, Mandiant. I'm one of the directors there, and uh, we've been quite busy over the past uh, uh, six months, especially considering uh, some of the things that are currently going on that are really relevant to uh, current events. Uh, we just released a report. I was one of the authors of this report called Trends. It really details uh, some of the more sophisticated attacks and threats that are coming uh, from overseas, from Asia, uh, specifically China, uh, hitting law firms, hitting commercial uh, companies, defense industrial branch, and other organizations. It's uh, uh, really, uh, I had a really uh, fascinating time putting that report together, but it really details at a technical level how these attacks are successful and what we're seeing on the ground when responding to them. Well, Rob, we talked about forensics back in September. Uh, a lot's happened since then. What are some of the trends that you're specifically looking at now in 2010? Well, one of the things that we're definitely seeing uh, when it comes to the average forensics professional, what they need to know is the complexity of the cases is growing exponentially. We're no longer just relying on recovering pictures, recovering email in order to solve a case. And the cases that we're now experiencing require forensic professional to be able to be comfortable with doing forensics across multiple machines, across different environments and different case types from intellectual property theft, fraud, all the way up to where you could be investigating advanced hackers that are moving within your organization. Many companies today are caught uh, in situations where they do not have trained professionals working on their staff uh, enable, that are able to respond specifically to a variety of threats that are now uh, corporations now being faced. Well, Rob, we've hammered it home to organizations that they need to have a forensics competency. So for someone looking to, to hire forensics professionals today, what do they have to be looking for? Well, it honestly boils down to one key thing, at least from my perspective, is that when we're looking to you know work with someone or we're looking to bring someone on our team, we're specifically looking for a very, very depth, have a very, very depth of experience that for these individuals. Now, depth of experience does not mean that an individual's been working on uh, forensics their entire life. We're probably looking for someone that's been multi-hatted across their entire career, so that they have some exposure to computer security, that they have exposure to potentially working on incident response type uh, situations, uh, having clear um, training in their background too, where they've gone through official courses, where they've gone through uh, some of the newest and greatest technology that's out there so they're familiar with it so that when they're exposed to it in an environment, either A, they already know about it, or B, that they're comfortable enough about their own capabilities that they could self-train themselves in order to be able to deal with that piece of technology. Well, just to follow up on that a little bit, Rob, what then are the couple of questions that people really ought to be asking about someone's resume when they've got them in talking to them? Well, moving beyond the, just the laundry list of skills or you know exposure to tools and techniques and technology that someone has, that someone should really be asking questions, which of these are you a master of? And which of these do you probably need additional training to move beyond? 
when we're initially doing a lot of interviews, you know, even just being able to ask them spe- specific questions. For example, if I uh, someone's interviewing with me, I would potentially uh, put up a scenario, and I would like them to whiteboard how someone would uh, focus on that case. You know, for example, take intellectual property theft. I will say an employee is suspected of stealing data from a computer system. It's uh, he was fired on a Monday. Uh, the last day he was at work was the only day that he might have been uh, capable of doing this. Can you please list for me the only ways data can potentially leave his computer system and where you might begin to look for the evidence that of the intellectual property theft? And again, the individual would have to step through and they have enough knowledge about the computer system to be able to identify the key points of where data would be able to be exfiltrated from the machine, whether it's an email, USB devices, printing it, for example, someone could even take a picture of the screen. And again, having someone think through and be creative enough in the problem-solving side to be able to identify what is the most likely ranked to the least likely area of data exfiltration in that specific case. You know, again, there's many out there that someone could do, but that's an example of a way that you would be able to really show does this person have the problem-solving skills and the expertise uh, to be able to solve this problem. Well, that's a great example. Now, flip this around, Rob, for someone that is looking to be a forensics professional, what are the skills and experience they really need to seek out before they they go out looking for that first job? Well, first they need to uh, ask themselves, you know, what is their own personality? You know, there are two factors in the personality side that I personally look for when I'm talking to individuals. Number one is a passion for computer forensics and incident response. The second one is a massive capacity to learn that this individual realizes that everything is consistently changing and that they're always seeking opportunities to educate themselves, that they're never really satisfied. You know, they're always you know, chopping at the bit to get that additional experience so they're moving forward. Now, that's on the personality side. On their experience side, you know, what, you know, what skills and experience do you need? I would definitely recommend that someone becomes an expert at Windows um, you know, for example, just how Windows works, where, you know, the memory between 32-bit, 64-bit from Windows XP all the way through Windows 7 to their server side. You know, being familiar with where evidence might sit, the file systems, uh, really understanding uh, NTFS, the FAT file system. And then as niche areas start to expand, they would, uh, you know, slowly move into these additional areas, such as mobile device forensics, uh, being familiar with the iPhones, the Blackberries that are out there, Moving into network forensics, you know, being extremely versatile and being able to pull log file data across from firewalls, uh, proxies, intrusion detection systems, uh, and other, you know, including routers, for example, as a way for them to say, okay, I'm going to be an expert, but at the same time, I have my niche area. But everyone, since our core area out there for doing computer forensics seems to be 90% of the systems we're investigating are Windows based. Everyone in the field kind of had to have that, you know, core, you know, kind of like in the Army, you need to uh, know how to shoot a, shoot a rifle. That's the rifle of computer forensics. Is you need to be able to uh, understand the core technology that's surrounding Windows system and where the forensic artifacts will exist. Well, for someone who can shoot a rifle, so to speak, as you look across the, the different industrial sectors, where do you find the best opportunities for someone with forensic skills today? Well, honestly, it comes down to uh, location right now. Uh, we're still in the early uh, stages of people being able to work a lot more remotely. 
However, if I was a professional and saying, I want to get into this field, I want to be able to get a good job but with experience to help grow my experience, that the major cities from uh, Washington, D.C. would probably be the first one. It's actually where I'm at uh, and where I work is Washington, D.C. There's tons of forensics jobs in that area. New York City, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, any of the major technical hubs, anywhere there is, you know, the financial sector as well as a uh, concentration of law firms. Uh, those are, you know, usually found in the major cities. Uh, as we're expanding, you're going to start seeing uh, the smaller cities, the smaller law firms, local law enforcement also need computer forensic skills. We're just not at the point where they could afford the salaries and potentially the benefits of an individual wanting to work in the field in the smaller city. But, you know, as we're moving forward, it, this is going to become a key part of many of these local law enforcement, local law firms, that they're going to have to hire someone full-time to do this. So it's not without all hope. However, I would definitely recommend, while we're heading that direction, to get skills and experience with one of the larger firms in larger cities first, and then if you want to move, move out to some more remote location, that you could do so, and you'd probably be very billable and even start your own business at that point. Where do you see some of the growth opportunities in forensics? Uh, it'd probably be, the, from, from my perspective, there's, there's two, is that every firm out there is kind of watching the headlines in the news right now, uh, especially the commercial firms, that they're seeing that they need a key instant response and computer forensics capability internal to their own companies, that they need to potentially self-grow that own team. So one of the biggest growth uh, areas is that instead of having this be a secondary duty, that someone within these companies, they're going to start hiring uh, individuals directly for doing computer forensics and incident response, even like team managers. The second area where I see the largest future growth is actually in e-discovery. And the way I term this is actually e-discovery for law firms discovers forensics. And what I mean by that is that they're very closely related, but e-discovery has you know, traditionally focused it on message traffic whether it's in email, whether it's in documents. Now we're starting to see e-discovery start asking questions of chat sessions, things that are going on in social networks from tweets all the way down to Facebook. It is moving beyond that that data is too difficult to obtain. There's enough forensic tools out there that you could actually uh, be an enterprise and be able to go across the entire enterprise saying, I'm looking for a forensic artifact, a uh, the last... Say, for example, a law firm has a question regarding, you know, say that same intellectual property theft case, and you have the question, you're able to determine that the individual used a specific USB device to pull data off the machines. It is theoretically possible with technology today in an enterprise environment that you could ask a forensic individual in that environment to say which machine across the entire enterprise or additional machines across the entire enterprise did that USB device also touch? That is a legitimate question that law, law firms and the lawyers could potentially ask, and it's moving from e-discovery more into the forensics world, and it's going to be uh, easier for them to do as the growth of enterprise tools start to become more of a consistent uh, basis across all the different corporations that are out there. Well, we've talked about becoming a, a forensics professional. We've talked about finding one. In each of those areas, whether to become one or find one, what do you see as the biggest challenges in the marketplace right now? This is, this is a very great question. I'm asked this all the time. 
when you take a look at the other forensic sciences, uh, you know, for example, DNA analysis, that science is never changing. You you do not need to uh, worry about, you know, from day to day things consistently changing. However, with computer forensics, you do. Just a simple a simple service pack update to a machine could change everything that you used to know about it. The forensic artifacts would change. And if you go through Windows XP to Windows Vista to Windows 7, all the way up into the server side, gravity, in this case, you know, is consistently changing. You can never assume that there's going to be constants. And it's one of the reasons that a forensic professional needs to have this desire to consistently learn, because the, the playing field, the rules, are changing on a daily basis as the technology is improving and the additional devices that are being developed. So, you know, take, for example, mobile devices. Huge area of uh, growth out there. It's one of the other areas I'd mentioned earlier, going back to your first question, is mobile devices have so much personal and professional data on it that it is becoming one of the key areas that companies are going to need to ask themselves, what is sitting on that device? Do we need to worry about data that's on that device? Should we do forensic analysis against it? While every device is different, has its own proprietary operating system, it's very, very difficult field to become an expert in, especially in mobile device forensics. So in going back to re recap what I just said, the fact that technology and the operating systems are constantly changing makes computer forensics a very difficult field to become an expert in. Rob, one last question for you. You've been deep into the material for some time now. You've just released your new report. From what you see right now, what's going to be the forensic story we're all talking about in 2010? <laughs> well, putting the crystal ball on, I really think that the forensic story is that the United States government as a whole is going to have a much greater concentration on uh, the after effects of intrusions that have occurred in the commercial sector. We're already seeing this now, uh, especially over the headlines over the past two months where we start seeing uh, Secretary Clinton, as well as the, uh, the Director of National Intelligence, make some pretty firm comments about what's going on in the commercial sector regarding data breaches and data loss to foreign-based intrusions. I think as a result of this, that this is going to push the uh, emphasis for additional companies to really have this discussion at board meetings and at the C-level executives for them to sit down and say, are we prepared? And if not, what do we need to put in place to be prepared? So as a result, I think uh, when we're going to ask the same question next year at this point, for in 2011, I think there's the situation, situational awareness is going to increase greatly across the entire commercial organizations of how much data that they currently have exposed and what they potentially need to potentially protect themselves from both the cybersecurity and reactionary when it comes down to investigating how did it happen, who did it, when did it happen, and what was taken. Well, Rob, it's an interesting year already. I look forward to, uh, to talking with you again later on to see what's unfolded. I appreciate that. Thank you. We've been talking about digital forensics. We've been talking with Rob Lee of Mandiant and Sands Institute. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.